We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lakers Nation, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. We've got a lot to talk about today. I want to get into Austin Reeves a little bit, talk about the impact that he has made, as well as the Lakers' effort and energy level, what we saw against the Golden State Warriors, what it means for the remainder of the season, and what it would have meant earlier in the season for the Lakers, plus the buyout market. Of course, I've got a lot of people asking questions about that, so we do need to get into some buyout market options before we get into that, though. Super Bowl. Actually, I'm recording this just hours after the Super Bowl ended. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning the Super Bowl. Exciting game. That was a lot of fun getting to watch that one. You know what? It was the kind of game where we went in kind of hoping it would be a shootout, super high scoring. Didn't really wind up being that. It was a defensive battle. The Rams couldn't get the run game going at all. The Bengals defense was fantastic. Odell Beckham Jr. suffers that heartbreaking injury. That kind of stalled the the, uh, Rams offense out a little bit as well. But at the end, the Rams are able to get the job done. They get the touchdown to Cooper Cup that eventually gives them the victory. So, Big congratulations to the Rams. You know, I've already seen this idea going on uh, on social media that what the Rams need to do is do a combined parade, not just a Rams parade, but the Lakers and the Dodgers as well, because both those teams won championships somewhat recently and didn't get to have their parades. Now, I don't know if that's actually what they're going to wind up doing or anything like that, but it would be nice to at least see not a full combined parade, of course, give the Rams their due, but Maybe just some acknowledgement because the city has not had a chance to truly celebrate the Lakers and the Dodgers wins, not in the in the typical fashion that we would because of COVID and everything that was going on. It, we were not able to really celebrate that way. So it would, be, it would be nice to be it would be nice to see a little bit of acknowledgement there from the Rams during that parade. But even if they don't, regardless, great great win for the Rams, great for the city. And here's the other thing. I was talking with some of the LakersNation.com staff members. We were saying, you know, one of the things, one of the important things about this for the Rams is capturing young football fans in L.A. Remember, the Rams were gone for a long time. It's part of why myself, I'm a bit of a football nomad. I don't really have a football team per se. Now, we do have a Rams site that's part of our network, RamsNewsWire.com. And so I tend to lean towards the Rams. But I grew up 
in Southern California without the Rams for the most of my formative years. We didn't have a true football team. So I didn't really latch on to a team the way that I did the Lakers or say the Dodgers, right? That experience wasn't there. And so I think winning the Super Bowl, obviously it's great for the Rams, great for all the players and, and, and everything, top to bottom, fantastic. But in terms of them staying long-term in Southern California, in terms of the fan base being built up in Southern California, how many people are now becoming more diehard Rams fans because they were able to win a championship? Let's face it, LA loves champions. We expect greatness from our sports teams. And as such, I think that this victory, it's not just going to be this great celebration this year and way to go Rams. It's going to be that, but it's also going to pay dividends for years, maybe decades to come here because of the young fans right now that are in Southern California and Los Angeles getting to see the Rams win and are now going to become Rams fans, except that the Rams are back in LA. I think it's big for that as well. All right, let's talk Lakers though. So the Lakers, of course, just fell to the Golden State Warriors the other day, 117 to 115, close game. Thought the Lakers played with a lot of energy and effort. And I am going to talk a little bit about that in a bit here, but First, we need to talk about the buyout market because the trade deadline has come and gone. The Lakers didn't wind up doing any, doing anything there. And we've talked a lot, a lot about why they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. And I'm on board with it. I understand why they didn't. I had, you know, fingers crossed. I was hoping that they were going to find something out there that made sense. It sounded like they got close on a few things. That Cam Reddish deal that we heard about, the three-team deal with the Knicks and the Raptors, that certainly was interesting. Uh, it sounded like there were some issues in terms of the picks involving the Raptors and the Knicks. That's where it all got tripped up and why it ultimately didn't happen. But the Lakers, they were going after Alec Burks, Cam Reddish. Great. No problem with those targets for the Lakers. Unfortunately, just wasn't meant to be and they weren't able to get that done. But otherwise, it felt like there were a lot of teams out there that were just trying to fleece the Lakers, trying to get them to do something stupid, like attaching a first-round pick, the 2027 first to Russell Westbrook, to go get John Wall, who we can't even say for sure is better than Russ or a better fit, or at least enough of a better fit to propel them into suddenly being a title-contending team. That's pretty much what you need in order to put in that 2027 first-round pick. So I understand why the Lakers didn't do anything there. But we've also heard that they're going to be aggressive on the buyout market and the buyout market is going to be interesting this year in the past few years the lakers have been in a situation where they're one of the best teams people know they're one of the best teams and so players want to join up with them even last year when the lakers weren't that high in the standings around the buyout market time there was an understanding that well they're not that high in the standings but they've been hurt they've been injured when this team gets healthy they're going to be really good that was the expectation because we saw it. We saw it early in the season from last year's Lakers where they were great. They looked fantastic. And then the injuries just piled up and piled up and piled up. But they landed Andre Drummond. So here's the thing. Buyout market players, and I've talked about this before, but buyout market players, they're looking for two things. Two things. They want opportunity to play because most of these guys, they're playing for their next contract, right? They're going to stay with you for a few months and then they're going to be free agents in the summer. So it's really important for them that they have the opportunity to get on the floor and make an impact. So that's number one. That's number one. Opportunity is important to buy out market players. Number two, chance to win a championship. Chance to win a championship, particularly for the veteran guys, for the older guys that are on the buyout market, they want a shot to win a championship. It's part of the reason why the Lakers a couple of years ago got arguably the greatest buyout player ever, the most successful buyout player ever, 
Markeith Morris came in, not only played for the Lakers and got meaningful minutes and got the opportunity, but also played big-time minutes in the playoffs, even started for some games in the playoffs for the Lakers and route to an NBA championship. Then he stuck around the next year. Then the Lakers last season, they get Andre Drummond. How do they get him? Well, in part, it was the opportunity that they could offer combined with the chance to potentially, if the team got healthy, win an NBA championship. So Andre Drummond, they had an opportunity. They had a starting job there for him. And so they landed him. Now, things are a little bit different this year. A little bit different. The Lakers, in theory, could offer some opportunity on the buyout market. They could offer some opportunity to a player who's been bought out. They could say, you know what? Come on in. We've got a lot of these older guys that maybe shouldn't be getting minutes right now. We're willing to mix things up. If we think you are head and shoulders better than what we've got out there, we will put you in the game. We will give you a chance to play. Right? So that's I think the Lakers can offer opportunity. Now it depends on the position. That that is of course important, but the Lakers can offer opportunity. And that that could matter that maybe that is all they need, but chance to win a championship right now. Sitting in the ninth seed have not looked good for most of the season. They've had some ups and downs. Obviously injuries have been a factor and all of these things, but they certainly don't look like a title contending lock. Like some of the other teams that are out there. Some of the teams they're going to be going to be competing with for bio market players, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Golden State Warriors, all, all these teams, right. That are, that are at the top. So, with that being the case, what's the buyout market going to look like for the Lakers? I actually think that they need to shift their approach to the buyout market. We've already heard that they're going to be interested in Goran Dragic. And look, no problem there. I understand the Lakers have been looking at this roster all season. Even when they've been as healthy as they can be, there's got to be that kind of nagging voice the back of Rob Palenka's mind. What does this look like with Kendrick Nunn? And I'm sure Frank Vogel's thinking the same thing. What kind of a role does Kendrick Nunn play on this team? Because the Lakers have been without him all season. He's not going to be back till the end of March. The Lakers were supposed to have another ball handling guard that they could that could do things, that they could turn to. And they haven't had him all season. Bone bruise all season. Nobody could have predicted this, but the Lakers gave him the mini mid-level exception, planning on having him being a, a key contributor. They had one guy that they could spend on with the mini mid-level exception. Everybody else had to be veteran minimums, aside from THT. And that was Kendrick Nunn. And they felt good about it. They were excited about getting Kendrick Nunn on the mini mid-level. And if you look at what he did for the Miami Heat, you see why. You see why they were excited to get a player of his caliber on the mini mid-level. Unfortunately, they haven't had that. So if you go after a guard, like a Goran Dragic, who's one of the names, you know, one of the names that, that could be out there, a veteran player. Okay, that makes some sense, right? They could fill that role. I still think what the Lakers need the most, though, is wings. But regardless of a, a position, Goran Dragic is a good player, could be useful, could play some minutes for you. But is that really going to help the Lakers this season if a championship is unlikely? How much does it really help the Lakers? Does getting Goran Dragic suddenly turn the Lakers into a championship contender? I don't think so. I don't think if, if he had that kind of an impact, then the Toronto Raptors wouldn't have waived him. He's the kind of guy that can jump in, play some minutes somewhere. He's a 35-year-old veteran. He can play minutes somewhere and hold down the fort for a team that's already got this really strong base around them. The Lakers don't really have that. What the Lakers need more of is diamonds in the rough. Because let's face it, what has been the silver lining 
to this season. It's been a frustrating season. I feel you look, Lakers fans, I know. Whenever I put anything on Twitter, put anything out on social media, anything, anything involving the Lakers at all, even remotely Lakers, I get comments from Lakers fans that are frustrated, that are upset with the way things are. But the silver lining for this season, it's been the young players. It's been the young guys. It's been Malik Monk. It's been Austin Reeves. It's been Stanley Johnson. Carmelo Anthony, you can add him in. But that's one guy. All of the veterans, look at the veteran guys that the Lakers got, expecting them to do some of the heavy lifting. Trevor Ariza, DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore. You've got all of these players who the Lakers went out and got this offseason thinking, man, these guys, five years ago, six years ago, these guys were great to varying degrees. And on this team, with their powers combined, we know they're getting up there in years, but we can still get another good year out of them. For a lot of them, that hasn't been the case. Now, again, Carmelo Anthony is the exception here. He's been really good. I've liked what we've seen out of him. You can argue Avery Bradley has at least been, and I know there's a lot of arguments out there that Avery Bradley shouldn't be starting, but he's at least been a rotation player. Okay, I think I think we can fairly say that. He's a rotation player that can go out there. He can give you 15 minutes a night. Now, should he be starting? No, I don't think so. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But he can give you 15 minutes a night. Other than that, most of the veteran guys have been disappointing. The real success has come from the young guys, the diamonds and the rough guys, and that, that Lakers nation, that's what I would focus on if I'm the Lakers, on the buyout market. Not so much the guys that are at the end of their careers that are looking to latch on somewhere to win an NBA championship, to win an NBA. So Gordon Dragic, eh, I did, look, I like him. If he says I'll come, okay, all right. But if I'm the Lakers and I look at the players that are on the buyout market right now, that's probably not who I'm making my top target. Because what I want to find, if I'm Rob Palenka, is I want to find a guy who, yes, can maybe help me a little bit this year, but I want to find a guy who can help me next year, maybe the year after. I want to find a guy where if he's given the opportunity, a la Stanley Johnson, He's going to seize that opportunity and run with it. And he's got the young legs to where he can actually do something on the floor for you if you need him to go flying across the floor and make a defensive play. He's got the young legs to do it. Maybe he needs a little bit of seasoning, doesn't have the veteran savvy, but there's a few players out there right now that fit that bill. So I want to highlight a couple of them. Casey Okpala. Interesting. Interesting to me. Sitting on the bio market, went to Esperanza High School. Southern California guy, power forward, 6'8", 7'2", wingspan, shot 35% from three this season. 35% from three. Now, uh, historically, he's not a great, great shooter from behind the arc. But again, 6'8", 7'2", wingspan. Isn't that the physical profile that you want? And looking at what this Lakers team needs, looking at what they need right now, when there were rumors about Paul Millsap being bought out, the Lakers were a name that popped up. Like if Paul Millsap gets bought out, the Lakers might be a team that's interested. Paul Millsap, I don't think is the right guy to target, but the skill set is right in terms of getting a big that can maybe float between the four or the five, that can do some things for you, that can stretch the floor a bit. I'm not saying Casey Okpala is the same as Paul Millsap. They're not, their games are not the same. But in terms of finding that player, that guy that can float between the four, maybe even play some minutes at the five, can get out and defend a little bit on the perimeter, can space the floor a little bit for you. Isn't that the kind of guy that 
this team really needs most, more than anything else right now. That's kind of a wing player. It's what this team needs. Now, the tricky part is every team in the NBA is looking for wings. If you can find one, if you can get somebody to go play on the wing for you and at a bargain price, that is a massive win. That's the best thing you can gamble on is a 3 and D wing. Look, Dorian Finney-Smith just got a new contract with the Mavs. They're, they're going to be paying him almost $15 million a year. And that's actually a pretty good deal because he's a 3 and D wing. It's what teams in the NBA need right now. And I'm not saying Okpala is going to be this great 3 and D wing player. We don't know. Still a diamond in the rough at this point. But to get him on the buyout market, bring him in, just turning 23 years old soon. Bring him in, see what he's got, give him some opportunities, because maybe this is a guy that could help you next year. If this year is just, it is what it is, and the Lakers aren't going to win a championship this year, and we try to forget it, and we try to, to erase this year, build and move forward, isn't that the kind of guy that you want to bring in and find out what he's got? I think he can help you this year. I think that type of player can potentially help you this year. But next year, moving on, isn't that the kind of person that you want to get into your organization and find out? Can this person be another diamond in the rough? Because I'll tell you what, when you get a younger guy like this and you get a guy that's going to improve year after year and you already have a very veteran heavy team, man, that's important. That's a big, big win. If you can find a younger player without having to surrender a draft asset, which the Lakers have precious few of, in order to do it. So Casey Okpala, interesting fit. Another one, Moses Brown, 22 years old. Moses Brown sitting out there on the bio market. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seven foot two. He's a center. Look, he's not always the most coordinated guy. There's moments where you kind of wonder about his athleticism. There's other moments where he looks really good. But 22. 22, seven two, great wingspan. This Lakers team, I think there's been question marks about do you want to play a traditional center next to Anthony Davis or not? We saw some success from Damian Jones when the Lakers gave him a shot last year. And then the Lakers were remiss to find out that the Kings picked up his option. That was the big story from the offseason was that, or one of the big stories was that the Lakers had intended to bring Damian Jones back. They cut Damian Jones in order to free up a roster spot and bring in Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond wound up going to the 76ers. Right? Now he's been traded to the Nets. 
But Drummond was brought in at the expense of Damian Jones, who the Lakers liked. And they were going to bring him back when they couldn't get him. Who'd they get instead? DeAndre Jordan. That has not worked out for the Lakers. So if you can go after a young center like this, again, 22 years old, also Southern California guy, UCLA guy, why not? Again, if I'm the Lakers on the buyout market this year, I'm not focusing so much on the veterans. And I, it made sense to get Markeith Morris two seasons ago when you're contending to win a championship. Yeah, go get the veteran player. Go get the veteran player that you know if it's a playoff game and things are getting heated and it's coming down to the wire and you need somebody to go in and not mess something up, someone where the moment is not going to be too big for them, yeah, hey, you want, you want a seasoned veteran. I don't think that's where the Lakers are at right now. So if I'm the Lakers on the bio market, I'm looking at some of these younger guys. Now, there's other guys out there. DeAndre Bembry is another guy who's on the market. Is that a guy that would make sense? Now, remember, the Lakers are going to have to waive somebody. It's probably going to be DeAndre Jordan if and when they bring in somebody off the buyout market. So they've got to be convinced that it's someone with enough upside to really help them because you're going to have to pay whoever it is. Let's say it's DeAndre Jordan, but whoever it is, whether it's Baysmore, Jordan, whatever, you're going to have to pay that guy for the remainder of the season. You're going to keep paying him. You're going to pay the luxury tax on that salary. Then you're going to pay the new guy coming in and pay the luxury tax on that salary. So you have to be pretty convinced that it's somebody that's worth bringing in. But still, find the Lakers and targeting those, those younger guys. Uh, there are a few other names out there. Gary Harris would be interesting. The Lakers don't really need more guards. But in terms of talent level, Gary Harris, if he gets bought out by the Orlando Magic, that would be an interesting one. DJ Augustine, he's got a long history of blowing up against the Lakers. He's had, he's had some really good games against them. So, again, if the Lakers have it in their head, we could really use a backup point guard. Kendrick Nunn is only coming back with, you know, maybe a handful of games left in the season at best right now. Um, then maybe you look at a guy like a DJ Augustine, a veteran who's been around for quite a while. But, again, I, I prioritize the younger guys. The other interesting one is Dennis Schroeder. If he actually gets bought out by the Houston Rockets, talent-wise, in terms of what he can give you right now, for sure, you can put him on the floor and get production. He's probably at or near the top of the list. You could argue him or Goran Dragic. I know the Lakers have had issues with him in the past. Uh, some within the organization are rumored to not be too keen on that kind of a reunion. I'm sure some would be interested in it. Maybe that's a path you go down. But again, if it's me... I'm looking at those young guys. I'm looking at Apollo. I'm looking at Moses Brown. I'm seeing if maybe I can find a diamond in the rough there. Worst case, it doesn't work out. You part ways at the end of the season. But I think that's the kind of gamble the Lakers should take, particularly, particularly because of the way this season has played out. Speaking of the way the season has played out, and I am curious to know what, what the rest of you think, what Lakers Nation, what you think about who the Lakers should target on the buyout market. So, of course, if you're on YouTube, comment in the comment section. If you're listening to the podcast version of this and you're over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, let us know. If you go over to Apple Podcasts, let me know in a review over there, preferably a five-star review. Certainly appreciate those. But let's talk a little bit about the Lakers' effort level because against the Warriors, against the Warriors, there was that kind of, that frustration, of course. They lost the game. But they played well. They played well. In fact, I had a lot of fans who were upset with AD, upset with LeBron James, because they didn't play well down the stretch. 
in particular, right? They missed shots at the rim. They they did things that were uncharacteristic of star level players. And that was, again, I, I'm not going to put too much on those guys. AD has been really good since coming back from injury, except for the last two games. LeBron has been really good all season, right? I'm going to write that off as just a one-time thing. Fingers crossed. Hopefully it's just, it was one game, whatever, move on. But the rest of the team was, and that's a rarity. Most games this season, it's been LeBron dragging the rest of the team along and he's kind of doing the, you know, Will Smith in the empty room. It's LeBron getting the job done and nobody else around him is doing the heavy, is doing much. Okay. Save for, you know, a few players. That wasn't the case against the Warriors. And the positive piece to that was, hey, the Lakers, <laughs> they looked like they wanted to win this game. And that hasn't always been the case this season. They looked like they came to play. They were putting in the effort, putting in the energy was there. And maybe it's the trade deadline being passed. I still don't buy that excuse for a veteran team. I don't think that should matter for guys who have been through multiple trade deadlines. They know they know what it's like year after year. Seasoned veterans shouldn't get affected by the trade deadline. If you're Taylor Horton Tucker and you're 21, okay, I get the trade deadline bugging you. Sure. If you're these other guys, the older veterans, it shouldn't bother them. But anyway, we heard all about how the Lakers were feeling better. It was, a you know, the fog had lifted that LeBron had talked about. Uh, Frank Vogel said there was a new energy around the team, and we saw it. We saw it. And there have been a number of times this season where the Lakers have said things in press conferences and things like that, and then not backed it up on the court. This time they did. They did. They talked about this new energy that was around the team, that they were feeling refreshed from the trade deadline being passed. And sure enough, they looked like it. The frustrating piece to that, though, is when you look back at the Lakers' season and you say, well, wait, so you had this all along. You could do this. You could play at this level. You just didn't. You just didn't. Effort was not there for the majority of the season when it needed to be. And that is where fans get frustrated. And... It's been my biggest point of frustration for this Lakers team for the season, right? If the Lakers all season long had been fighting and scratching and clawing through these games and they're just getting hit by injuries, but every single night they're competing, every single night they're putting in their best. I think some would still be frustrated with their record, but overall it would be easier to accept what's gone on this season. It would be easier to get behind this team. It would be easier because I'm seeing fans that are saying things like, I'm done, I'm out, things like that, that is so frustrated. I don't think that frustration with the team would be nearly as high if we felt like they were competing at their highest level every single night. And maybe that's unrealistic. The NBA season is long. It's an 82-game season. It's not easy. You can't keep your foot on the gas pedal the entire time. You just can't. You just can't. I used to coach track back in the day. And I would, see, it would talk about kids running the 800. And I would always tell my athletes, look, you, you can't. At this level, you can't go 100% the entire way. You will burn yourself out. There's no way to do it. You have to pace yourself. You have to know when to kick it in. And that's how you win. LeBron has that approach towards the NBA season as well. We see when he kind of kicks it in. Other games, maybe not so much. Veteran players are going to do that. They, it's, it's not reasonable to assume that they're going to go pedal to the metal every single night. But 
But we saw this Lakers team lose way more games than they should have due to effort and energy. So I went back and looked and thought, you know what? What if this Lakers team had showed up throughout the season? Even with the injuries, even with the injuries, I think we can identify a number of games that even with the injuries that they have experienced should have been wins. And I've talked about this a lot. The key to the NBA, to getting where you want in the standings, it's not winning the big games. It's not you need to win this game against the Golden State Warriors or the Phoenix Suns, whoever the top teams are. It's not, oh my gosh, we've got this, we've got this big matchup. We've got this big game coming up against the Miami Heat. We got a big game coming up against the 76ers, and they're near the top of the East right now. It's not about winning those games. We tend to focus on those games. We hyper-focus on those games because it's like, oh, okay, this is the measuring stick game. We're going to find out how good we really are right now. That's great. Look, those games are fun. But in terms of the standings, getting where you need to be, it's about taking the games against the bad teams on your schedule, saying thank you, locking in, being focused, and putting that win on your record. Don't let those opportunities slip by. And the Lakers this season have done that a lot. A lot. And it's a big part of why they are where they are. So I went through the schedule and thought, gosh, if the Lakers played with the effort level that they played with against the Warriors, what would this team look like right now? Where would they be? So here's what I've got. In terms of games that they had no business losing, had they come out and played the way they did against the Warriors, I've got two games against the Thunder, two games against Portland, got a game against the Knicks, triple overtime game against the Kings, the Nets Christmas Day without Durant and without Kyrie Irving. That, again, if they played the way they did against the Warriors. Hey, yeah, they would have won that one. Another game against the Kings, game against the Pacers, the Clippers the other night, losing by one without Kawhi, without Paul George. Got to win that one. And, of course, the recent game against the Portland Trailblazers. That's 11 games. That's 11 games. Again, I talk about this a lot. But to illustrate how important it is that you focus, that you lock in against the weaker teams and you put those wins on your record, the Lakers won. All of those games, which isn't reasonable, I know. But had the Lakers won all those games, the Lakers right now would have a record of 37-20 and 20 and would be sitting in the four seed. They'd be sitting in the four seed. Now, again, it's unreasonable to assume that they would win all those games. Because every once in a while, teams have an off night. They let down against a bad opponent, whatever, right? And a lot of people have looked at the Lakers, by the way. A lot of people look at the Lakers and say, well, yeah, but the Lakers are just a bad team. The Lakers are a bad team. Their talent level on the roster is high enough to where it should carry them through. As long as the effort, the intensity, the focus, if that stuff is there, their talent level is higher than some of these teams that they're losing. I mean, certainly higher than the Portland Trailblazer, the skeleton Portland Trailblazer lineup that we saw the other night. So let's say that of those 11 games, we give back three of them. And we say, okay, they had an off night here and there. If this team was focused, locked in, though, eight more wins. They'd be the five seed. 
right now. They'd be the five seed. 34 and 23 would be their record. And you're probably saying, well, Trevor, why does, why does that matter? Why does that matter now looking back? Because I think it's important for next season. It's important when we look at the schedule and we understand why the early season games matter. Why we can't just write off games and say, oh, well, you know, they're still trying to find their way and things like that. No, it's, it's important. You almost have to be even more focused on the bottom feeder games. Those are the must-haves. Those are the must-wins, right? If you lose a game to say it's the Milwaukee Bucks, well, you know what? Even if you're playing at your best, there's a chance they're just a really good team. There's a chance that they were going to beat you. If you're playing at your best, though, and you're playing against the Thunder, you're going to win that game. If you're playing at, the, at your best and it's the Blazers, you're going to win. These are games where if your effort level is where it should be, you're going to get the win almost every time. And the Lakers, in too many opportunities this season, have not had the effort level where it needed to be, and that's cost them wins. Think about how much this season changes. Think about how much the perception of the Lakers changes. If they had won eight of those games, they really they should have won. And again, people will say, well, no, the Lakers are just, the Lakers are what their record are. They're not a good team. Again, talent-wise, if they were competing at a high enough level, and maybe you want to point to the coach and say, that's the coach's responsibility to make sure that the team is locked in and focused. Maybe you want to point to the players and say the players should be locked in and focused every single night. Okay? If they're the five seed, the narrative around this team is completely different. If they're the five seed, we're talking about a Lakers team that people are thinking, oh, Okay, well, LeBron and AD in the playoffs, never know what that's going to look like. We'd be talking about different opportunities on the buyout market. And I'll tell you what, we'd also be talking about a very different NBA trade deadline. Instead of going into the NBA trade deadline, just losing to the Portland Trailblazers the night before, which I think created more certainty that the Lakers just didn't have it this season. If you're sitting in the five seed, and you're Rob Polinka. Your mindset would have to be, we're not far off. Maybe we're one piece away. Maybe we're one piece away. And on top of that, the Lakers wouldn't be seen as this desperation team, which is part of why, and I was talking about this before the trade deadline, this is part of why the Lakers couldn't get a deal done. Because so many teams around the NBA saw them as desperate. Oh my gosh, they're playing so terribly. They have to fix this. We must do something. I heard that so many times from so many fans. 29 teams were looking at the Lakers as a desperate team that was just sitting there waiting to be fleeced. You guys are desperate? Okay. If you want a marginal upgrade, we want your 2027 first. You're desperate. We're not giving you anything unless you overpay. And you're going to overpay because you're desperate. That's the way trades work in the NBA. Leverage matters in the NBA. So imagine if the Lakers are sitting in the five seed, maybe even the four seed right now, right? Because some of the other teams' records would have changed. That changes the deadline, makes it more likely that the Lakers are able to pull off a move, that they're not seen as desperate, that they can come up with a fair deal, and that they're more willing to accept a deal, particularly giving up a future asset like the 2027 first. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the right thing to do, 
But in that reality, where the Lakers brought the effort and energy against the bad teams, the lower-level teams in the NBA... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Things look very different right now. Things look very different. So, something to remember moving forward. It's not necessarily about beating all the best teams. It's about stacking up the wins that are in front of you when the NBA offers them to you. When the schedule offers you the opportunity to get a win against a team that all you have to do is put forth the effort and you're going to get the W, you have to make sure you do it. And again, I don't know if that's a roster construction thing where the mindset wasn't there if that's a coaching thing if it's a little bit of both the lakers have got to figure out a way to drive that home because that is going to be critical moving forward from here on out that's always important that you take the wins that are available to you and you get them on your record all right last part of the show here i do want to talk about austin reeves we need to talk about hbk Hillbilly Kobe, Austin Reeves, AR-15, whatever it is you want to call him. He's been great. Uh, My guy, Sean Davis, did a video breakdown of him and put it up on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And look, Austin Reeves was fantastic against the Warriors. I'm starting to see some pushback against Austin Reeves. I'm starting to see it's almost Caruso-esque. That's why I want to talk about this. We're seeing this pushback where people are saying, oh, Austin Reeves isn't that good. And the people who are saying, oh, he's not that good, what are they throwing out there? His counting stats. When you go into the box score and you look, they're saying, oh, well, he's only shooting 33% from three and scoring six points a game. Not that good. Clearly, he's not actually that good. People are just desperate for another Caruso to latch onto, and that is what is going on here. Lakers fans, look, here goes Lakers fans again blowing it out of proportion, taking a role player, making him sound a lot better than he is. This is what Frank Vogel said about Austin Reeves after the game against the Warriors. He's a solid all-around player. He was very impressive down the stretch, makes big plays offensively. He's got a great computer to process help and see whether to shoot or make the extra pass. Obviously, he's got a lot of guts to make big shots and really competes on the defensive side. He's got a really good IQ on that end. He had a hell of a night. He's got a great computer to process help, to understand what's happening on the floor. When you dig deeper, this is when, and I feel like this is part of my job, is to explain this kind of stuff and to shine a light on this kind of stuff. This is where, if you look at the box score, You're missing a lot. There's some players where the box score reveals how good they really are, right? There's some players where you just look at the box score and you go, oh, no, that guy's great. That guy's great. You look at LeBron's stats and you go, well, I mean, this is ridiculous. Look at the numbers that he can put up. And it doesn't look like he's even trying sometimes. And he's just that amazing. Austin Reeves, Alex Caruso, Danny Green, even Avery Bradley, especially younger Avery Bradley, Those are Lakers examples. 
There's examples of players like this around the NBA. Herbert Jones for the Pelicans is this kind of guy where the box score does not reveal their true impact. Advanced metrics tend to, though. It's no surprise to me that Austin Reeves has the best net rating on the Lakers. He's the, got the best net rating. Does that mean he's the best player? No, no. All stats are going to have their weaknesses, right? The Lakers, defensively, are better when Austin Reeves is on the floor. Offensively, they're better when Austin Reeves is on the floor. And yet you look and you say, he's below league average from three. He's getting better creating off the bounce. We saw it against the Warriors. Made some great decisions attacking off the dribble, finishing with the floater in the lane, that sort of thing. He's getting better there. Individually, Austin Reeves isn't a guy that's going to take over a game. You're not going to give him the ball and say, okay, Austin, we need a, we need a bucket here. You go one on five and get that for us. That's not what he does. What he does, though, is he enhances the stars that he's playing with. And that's what you want out of a role player. And that's what Austin Reeves is. And as an undrafted rookie, young player, on a very cost-effective contract, he's got a $1.5 million team option next year, that is found gold for the Lakers. I can't understate how important it is for a very top-heavy team with three max-level contracts on it for the Lakers to find a guy like Austin Reeves and a guy who's had this kind of success. It's easy to look at the box score and not understand how good he really is. And what it takes, like last year, you heard me say a bunch in the last few years, if he takes pausing the game, don't focus on the ball. Watch everything Alex Caruso does off the ball. I said that probably 50 times last year. Watch what Alex Caruso does off the ball. That's the brilliance of his game. And most people don't see it because our eye is trained to watch the ball. Frank Vogel is talking about the computer, right? His brain. Alex, Austin Reeves, the way that he reads the game, that's how he's dangerous as a player. That's why he makes such a big impact. It's not because he's pulling down 12 rebounds. It's not because he's getting eight assists. It's not because he's pumping in 20 points a night or shooting 45% from three. It's all the other stuff that you don't see in the traditional box score that makes him such an impact player. Now, I should say impact role player. Again, his skill set is not one right now where he's going to take over a game for you. But everybody else is better when they play with him. You put him alongside stars, you put him alongside LeBron, where all he's got to do is use that computer, as Frank Vogel called it, and put himself in the right place at the right time and make the right reads. That's going to make everybody around him that much better. That much better. He's got that multiplying effect where he can take stars that are around him and because he's always going to be doing the right thing and put himself in the right spots and he's going to make plays, it's going to increase the effectiveness of everybody. And so that's where we need to focus with Austin Reeves. It's not so much, oh my gosh, look, Lakers fans are hyping up another guy who can't even shoot that well from behind the arc. No, I think that Austin Reeves, when we're talking about Avery Bradley getting these minutes in the starting lineup, I think Austin Reeves is ultimately going to be a long-term guy for the Lakers and may wind up being a starter may wind up being a starter he's got that kind of an impact 
on games where you plug him in and he's going to make the right plays. And so I think it's important that we recognize that. It's important that we recognize what it is that Austin Reeves does well for this team and understand that his true value is not going to be seen on the box score. All right. Wanted to take a moment and address that because I was seeing, I'm starting to see this anti-Austin Reeves pushback from some fans, some fans of other teams, but there is a reason why Austin Reeves is so impactful. There is a reason why he's got the highest net rating on the team. Again, that doesn't mean he's the best player, but so far in terms of who would you want most to plug in alongside the star level players, Austin Reeves over the course of the season has been the answer to that question and may very well be a long-term answer for your Los Angeles Lakers. All right, Lakers nation. That's it for me today. Give me your thoughts though. It's a comment section on YouTube. Let me know. What do you think about Austin Reeves? What do you think about the buyout market? What do you think about the Lakers effort and energy? Seeing how well they can play against a team like the Golden State Warriors when they really go out there and they try and they're putting the, their foot down on the gas pedal. Does that make you hopeful for the future? Does that make you frustrated for the past, for the games that they should have won? Let me know what you think in the comments section, in the reviews over on iTunes, if that's where you're at, Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're at, I should say. Let me know what you think. Make sure you're also following me across social media at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that notification bell as well. Till next time, stay safe and see ya.